though it's kind of loud here um it's because there's a highway behind me we're over across the street now from where i used to walk and pray with the lord i i actually used to live here we can't show the building because i don't want to get sued <laughs> um <clears throat> like we don't have permission to feature the building in this video but we're where I lived with my family in a, a 10 by 12 motel room for four years. Sorry, there's people walking in. We're at somebody's home, so we're trying to be respectful. And this place, it was nice to live at. There's vending machines and stuff. It was just, I was, um, if my family had been loving, been living in close quarters, wouldn't have been so hard. But was not a loving environment. It was very difficult to live and breathe and sleep in such a small space with the very people uh, who had abused me. So I would come up here. Um, I was out here one time in this spot. I was just over that bush. So this wasn't here when I lived here. Um, in fact, it was all woods around here. And this extension of the highway had not yet been placed. That's an addition that was added about three or four years ago. I lived here 12 years ago. So um, back then, this was a wooded area and it had kind of a path that was hard to navigate, but I did it, I was 14. And it would lead to a clearing where I could see the highway from. It's just a little sitting area in there in the back of the woods. Um, it's since been demolished, but around that time I reported the abuse to my school counselor who called um, Child Protective Services and um, a defects worker came and interviewed me and I was honest with her. Other defects workers had come several times throughout my childhood but I was so scared of my father that I would lie when they asked me questions this time I told the truth and I felt strong for doing it and I thought she believed me um, so I thought that day when she left that she was gonna come back and take me away and that I would be safe and so I went in my little hideaway in the woods and waited for her to come. And she never did. I waited about 10 hours in that little hideout. So she never came. Um, and it was a really hard moment for me because it was one in which I'd gotten my hopes up. I was brave. I put myself out there. Um, I told her the truth and it, I was really ashamed doing it. I thought the abuse was my fault. Um, but I also wanted it to stop. I wanted him to leave me alone. And I wanted to feel safe. Um, so I thought, cool, that all I had to do was tell the truth and then she would come back and she would get me and my brother and take us away. So yeah, I waited. I was ready. I didn't even pack a bag. I didn't care about bringing anything. I just wanted to go, even if it meant I left with nothing. But she never came. Um, a similar situation happened two years later. I had a best friend who knew I was being abused. Um, 
she had seen bruises and stuff. She'd seen me with a black eye. Um, so she, she knew and she said, if you, if you ever need anything, call me. So one night things got really bad and I, I gave her a call and she said, okay, me and my mom, we're gonna come and we're gonna pick you up. Now, she was a great friend. I think just something came up, but I grabbed my stuff real quick, prepared for a sleepover. I went outside and waited for, for them on the other side of this parking lot near the street so that they would see me and they wouldn't have to even stop their car. I would just hop in. But I was, um, I was hoping to just escape for a day or two. And I waited outside four hours and they never came. Um, we continued to be friends. It wasn't personal. She didn't intentionally forget me. I wasn't angry at her. I just was tired of having to be at the mercy of everybody around me. And, and tired of not being able to take control of anything, to be able to rescue myself. Um, I just felt stuck in every way. I was a minor. I could not leave. Um, I didn't have money. I tried getting jobs. I was trying to get part-time work to save up so I could run away. I just, I kept waiting for somebody to rescue me. And it seemed like my escape plans always failed. Um, so that's why years later, when God grabbed a hold of my life and he inspired us to start a ministry, I started uh, Heart of Hosanna with a group of incredible people. And we just wanted to share the hope and love of Jesus with people. We called it Heart of Hosanna because in scripture, on Palm Sunday, the, the people in Jerusalem as Jesus made his entrance into the city where he was about to be um, crucified within that week. They spread palm branches over the ground. He rode it on a donkey. They covered the donkey with their own clothes. They spread their own clothes on the ground so that his donkey didn't have to touch the dirt. And they screamed out, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means God save us. It's like a prayer and a proclamation all in one. It, it was them saying, please save us. But then it's also them saying, like, here comes the answer to our prayer. God, please save us. So they were calling Jesus their savior, saying he finally showed up. Um, we named the ministry that. And I shared my, my story a lot at events and stuff over these past 10 years because God is the only person who's showed up for me in my life every time I've needed him he's Hosanna he shows up he came to save and he'll never stop so that if you've ever wondered why the ministry is called part of Hosanna that's why because he saves us from everything and he shows up when you need someone to help you and he sees your pain i haven't been here for 14 years so forgive me if i'm emotional i wanted to read something oh i have a few things with me this is my first Bible. I got it as a gift while I lived here. I had a friend with me, um, I'm sorry, a friend at church that I would talk to. Uh, she, she was an older lady 
and she knew some of what I was going through. I don't think that she knew the extent of it, but she knew I needed help and I needed love. So she did her best to encourage me on Sundays when I could find a ride to church. And one Sunday she gave me this Bible. It's an NIV, it's tiny, but I started to read it at 16 and it gave me hope. And it kept me from um, just giving up completely. And I haven't touched any of these bookmarks in here. But the girl that placed them was really hungry for love and God gave it. So, just thought it was special. It's so old that the leather's falling off. But it's one of the most precious things that I own. The first message I ever preached, this was in my hands. Um, I think the very passage I flipped to is probably still marked. It was, I just lived by these words. And they kept me going. And I had no idea that God was gonna not only save my life and give me hope, but he was gonna make my life so full. Um, yeah. The first message I ever preached from was Matthew. Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no one like God. There really isn't crazy I held this in my hands the first message the first message I ever gave I wasn't even called into ministry yet um, I was just asked to share a message I, I felt like God said do it so okay and I did it and I I had a stutter that was really bad at the time God gave me words people got saved it was incredible so who would think who would have thought that this would be in my hands with my first book coming out uh, my first book it's just wanted to share that with you give you an inside look um, where God literally picked me up and saved my life I was at the very brink of losing hope in this spot and he spoke to me he helped me keep going I know he'll do the same for you